Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Less Doing Podcast. I am really excited today because we're launching into a new era of Less Doing now where I actually have a co-host. So uh, I'd like everyone to meet Aaron Olson of paleorunner.org. And uh, hey, Aaron. Hey, Ari. It's great to be on the show with you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. So uh, Aaron approached me about how I could make my podcast better, and we we sort of hit it off. And and what's going to happen now, ideally, is basically Aaron's going to co-host with me, and he's going to help me talk about some of the things that I've wanted to talk about, but I didn't feel like just talking into space with myself about. Uh, so in addition to the interviews that you're used to seeing now, I expect that we're going to have some really cool information to share with you in addition. So uh, Aaron, it's great to have you here. And let's get to the podcast. Awesome, Ari. Well, I'm pretty interested in, in a lot of what you do. Um, one of the things you've mentioned to me is that you have a conference coming up called the Entheos Conference. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so Entheos is really cool. It's this new, well, it, these virtual conferences in general seem to be like the new way of doing things, you know, where they have usually pre recorded interviews with various experts about all these different topics. And you've got them, you got PaleoCon and the Real Food Conference, and there's everything. And basically, you know, you tune in live for free, which is really cool. And I love that as a platform. So anybody in the world can tune in and watch it live and it's free. And then if you want to watch it after, they tend to charge, you know, so you can have the videos and the MP3s and the transcripts. And and it's a really cool model. So in this case, I did this conference for Entheos and we'll have a link in the show notes for everybody to check it out. Because uh, again, it's it's free and it's from March 27th to March 30th. But I've interviewed 23 different people, every, like Mark Devine and David Allen and uh, Sarah Gottfried and Elena Brower and all these are really amazing different people in health and productivity and and doctors and all sorts of really, really cool people. It's really amazing. So that's going to be coming up at the end of the month. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. Very cool. Very cool. So this are, are you hosting this conference or you just have a few um, topics that you're going to be speaking about with these different people? No, so I'm actually the host. So I, I interviewed every one of these people on Skype, um, uh, although one of them was in person, which was cool. That was Dr. Frank Lippman. And uh, the videos will just be posted online. So it will play, you know, sort of quote unquote live, but it basically they're mm-hmm. all pre-recorded Skype interviews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ari, and you mentioned that you're going to put a link in the show notes. And one of the things we're going to try with this new podcast is Enhanced Podcasts. So if people are listening right now, I'm going to be adding a link to that in the show. So if you're listening on uh, a podcatcher that supports links, which most of them do, you can open up your app and you can be taken to that link right now. So uh, I'll put that in, in there and we'll see how that works for people. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Everyone should realize here that Aaron is going to help me take this to the next level because I've been sort of uh, shoestringing it along with podcasting, figuring it out as I go. So this is uh, this is going to be really exciting. So, you know, the other thing is uh, the book is coming out uh, April 3rd. Okay, great. So, well, tell me more about that because I, I, I'm extremely excited to see this book. Yeah, so the the Less Doing book, Less Doing More Living, uh, it's at lessdoingbook.com. And again, we'll have that in the show notes. But uh, I have some really, really great uh, swag there. And if you buy several books or even one book and you can get consultation with me or discounts on Bulletproof Coffee or virtual assistance, and it's uh, really cool. And last week, Aaron, uh, the book hit number one on Amazon in three categories. It hit number one in self uh, in um, stress management, time management, and uh, and sorry, it hit 17 in health, fitness, and diet, and 39 overall on Amazon for like for it, it was an hourly thing. So that was really cool. Wow, wow, that's great. 
And what kind of things are we going to be seeing in the book that's not already on your blog? Well, in a lot of ways, it is sort of a culmination of the stuff that's on the blog and, and really put into a cohesive manner. You know, it, it's great to have people read through blog posts and sort of get it that way or take a virtual one of my classes on Udemy. But the book is 128 pages. Like you can basically read it in about an hour and a half and really, really get a lot out of it, I hope. you know. So it's a really concise guide to the art of less doing and all the nine fundamentals that go along with that. So uh, I, I hope people really like that. Great, great. And, and I'll put a link up to that in the enhanced part, in the enhanced podcast as well. Just, just to remind people as they're listening, if, hey, something sounds interesting, there's going to be a link to it if you open up your podcast and yes, listen. Yes, exactly. And then, of course, in the show notes on the blog over at lessdoing.com. Uh, so there's a couple of things I want to talk about from last Friday, you know, because every week I have the interesting things of the week post. And this is one of the big things that I'm really excited about having you on the show with me, Aaron, is that for literally for months I've been wanting to start each podcast by talking about the cool things from the week before that I had posted on the, my uh, interesting things of the week post. But it always every time I tried to do it, it felt weird just sort of sitting in my closet recording, you know, <laughs> saying like, oh, and this is really cool, isn't it? So um, <clears throat> a couple of things I wanted to tell you about. One of them is the, the less doing, you know, book club, I'm calling it, which is I... I think it's really important to read sort of recreationally, uh, you know, fiction and nonfiction. And it's something that I have been so bad about. And I, I really, I mean, the studies are there showing that reading fiction helps you be more creative and, and even raises intelligence. Reading the nonfiction stuff really does give you valuable information. I already read about a thousand blog posts a day using Feedly, but I really, really wanted to read. And, and I, just like with Crohn's and just like with productivity, there's always something where I feel like it's, it's sort of about finding the method. So finally, I've been able to do this, and I am committing to this now that every week I'm going to read a nonfiction book, and every month I'm going to read a piece of fiction. So, uh, and I'll post those in that interesting things of the week post. But so currently, fiction-wise, I'm reading Billy Budd, Sailor, which is my first Herman Melville book. Have you ever read Melville? I haven't. So it's really challenging to read. I have to say, like the way it's written is so amazing and the words are so great. And which, by the way, reading on the phone is really great for that because you can define words really quickly. I have to mm -hmm. read every sentence three times and it's just like, it makes me feel kind of dumb, but it also makes me feel really satisfied when I actually get through it. So the, the language is really different. It makes you think in a very different way. It also, I, I feel like I've been reading something for the past 40 pages or so that nowadays would might be described in two pages. Mm -hmm. You know, but he this the flowery language and the it's just it's kind of amazing. So there's an app called Rooster, which is what I'm using. It's just like a, like the animal Rooster, and it's based on from the guys from Daily Lit. Now Daily Lit has been around for years, and it was a service that would send you like a page of a book every day by email, mm -hmm. so that you could sort of get through it. And that never worked for me. I tried that a number of times. Rooster basically gives you installments of the book, and you can choose whatever schedule you want, and it kind of pops up, and you've got it on your phone. And I, you know, I don't know how pe well people are going to be able to see this, but I basically got those four apps on my phone. So there's Feedly, Blinkist, which I'll talk about, Rooster, and Kindle, and those are all like different levels of reading. So Feedly is my you know thousand blog posts. Blinkist is uh, for nonfiction, which I'll talk about. Rooster is a little bit more in depth, and then Kindle, of course, is like if I'm really going to read a book, which I rarely get to that point. But you know, I've mm -hmm. got my four levels of reading. So with Rooster, it 
like with this Billy Budd thing, there are nine installments and each one is between 25 and 30 pages. And it comes in and you read it and it, it's been taking me about 20 minutes or so, half an hour to read it. And having those bigger chunks but not huge chunks seems to keep the continuity. So I, I'm getting through it. I'm actually reading a Herman Melville book right now, which is, which is great. I never thought I'd have the time. <laughs> So with Rooster, will a notification just pop up saying, okay, now you need to read this, Ari. Here's your 20 minutes of reading time. Well, so it doesn't do the 20 minutes, but it does pop up and it says your new installment is ready. Okay. You know, and personally, like I really hate having notification bubbles on my phone. Like I have to do something to get rid of them. It's just like having emails in my inbox. So mm-hmm. when that's there, I actually do take the time to read it. And uh, it's I've been finding like either early in the morning or late at night. And, and it's it's works really well. That, that sort of 20 to 30 page chunk and by the way these are iphone pages so it's probably really like 15 pages you know okay um i get through them really quickly and uh, it, it feels it, honestly it feels really good on the nonfiction side i've been using blinkist now blinkist is so cool what these guys have done so basically i think it's a german company and they have a, an actual editor read pretty much any like nonfiction book that somebody would talk about at a party or be like you have to read this book or you know, there's a lot of times there's these knowledge bases that you feel like you should know if you're talking about health or productivity. Like, you just should know this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So all of those books are in Blinkist. You know, all of Malcolm Gladwell books, like Keith Ferrazzi's Never Eat Alone, like all of those business books that everyone should have read and should be reading, those are all in there. And they've summarized them into basically 12-page chunks, and each page is basically a core concept from the book. So you basically can get the knowledge of the book in 15 minutes. The whole book. Yeah. And so I just read, you know, and and again, I understand that this is like the Cliff Notes version, but honestly, it's nonfiction. So you really just need to get those golden nuggets, right? You don't need the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So I read uh, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman this week. And it's, I want to get him on the podcast, by the way. This is so Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, It speaks so much to less doing because what he talks about is that we have this two systems of knowledge or of thinking system one is like the basic automatic kind of evolutionary one. And then system two is the more advanced one. And we use system one most of the time because our brains are very lazy, which is true. And to force ourselves sometimes to use the the higher level system two is, is important. And it speaks to my, uh, creating the manual view idea with less doing because I say how people just kind of get automatic about things and they just do them without really thinking about them. But then if you access that Savkin system and actually look at the process and try to optimize it, automate and outsource it, that's when you really get some amazing results. So it was really cool to read that. And I always like when I sort of put science to the concepts in less doing. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I, I, I listened to uh, Thinking Fast and Slow when I was training for a marathon and I remember... It was such a great book, but I think it was like 30 hours and it just took forever. <laughs> so I think I'm going to download that app and check that out just to get some of these, you know, those cliff note versions. That, and then it can also show you if you want to go deeper, you could probably, you know, get the full book. Exactly. So they, uh, they, at the very end, you can, there's a link, right, to, to go buy the ebook right away or to buy the real book. And it, it's, it's really cool. So, so uh, you know, another thing is every week I post my latest Instagram picture on, uh, on less on the interesting things of the week post and last week's i don't know if you got a chance to see it yet aaron but it was my office that i have outfitted with the philips hue lights so so i can have any color i want in my office now so it's a picture of me at eight o'clock at night i had the whole room was red 
And okay. because the red light, you know, won't disturb your melatonin production with the with blue light, which is affecting mm-hmm. that. So uh, it's it's kind of a it may be a creepy picture for some people, but it, it made for very effective work. So I thought that was fun. Um, and what does your family think about these lights? Well, uh, let me think. Uh, I don't know if my wife actually saw it. Oh, you know what? Yeah. So my, my two-year-old loves it because there's a setting with the hue where you can set it to music. So it's like you can make like a disco, basically. So my okay. two-year-old actually started dancing, and the lights were flashing in purple and red and green. So he was, he was pretty psyched. My wife thinks a lot of this stuff is, is kind of silly, but then she sees the results, and she comes around eventually. Nice. Uh, so then there were a couple of links that I wanted to tell you about that I, just, I found that I thought they were so cool, uh, one of which is that uh, Spritz. So Spritz, Inc. is this company that's trying to make speed reading like a real thing uh, because most speed reading methods are, are crap. Like even if you actually can read faster, you're not comprehending necessarily. Mm-hmm. So Spritz basically will take any text on an app or a, 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 a website, and it's not released yet publicly, but it'll show you, it'll show you uh, one word at a time. And it takes it like it moves along one word at a time and it gets faster and faster and it's supposed to really work. So um, I'm I'm really excited to kind of try that out because speed reading, of course, is one of those ways that you really can be more efficient. Yeah. Um, So uh, that was one. And then there was uh, there were two others I wanted to tell you, but I'm just looking here. Um, One of which was the oh, um, the food sensitivities app. So Dave Asprey, who is the Bulletproof Executive, who I, I know you know, and I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, most people who listen to this podcast, I feel like probably listen to him as well, is uh, he's been doing, I don't know how he did this, but he's, I guess he's got like a cool video crew now because he's been doing some really great videos, one of which was about how to make Bulletproof coffee, but he just did one about the Food Sense app. And I really love this app. It's a free app that uses your pulse, your heart rate to determine food sensitivities and food sensitivity tests like blood tests are notoriously flawed they'll they'll show that you have sensitivities for things that you just you really shouldn't or couldn't and uh the food sense app which we'll link to in the show notes or well it's it's on the friday links actually is based on the coca pulse test and basically if you take a baseline heart rate and then you eat something and you take your pulse at i think it's 30 60 and 90 minutes and if it goes up an average of 16 beats or more then you have a sensitivity to that food. And it's a really interesting thing for people who might be having some issues to, to try to play with and, and figure out. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that was really cool. Um, and then the last thing you know, is, is this interview that we have today. So I'm, I'm talking to, to Joe DeSena, who is the creator of the Spartan Race. So um, Aaron, have you ever done one of these endurance races? Yeah, well, I've done the um, Warrior Dash. Oh, you so did? It's, okay. It's about three miles, I think, something like that. What did you think of it? Oh, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you think? I did the Tough Mudder uh, in the Tri-State Tough Mudder back in November of 2000. I want to say 11. It was awesome, but it was it was crazy. I mean, the weather was 40. It was 44 degrees out, and the water was 36 degrees, and uh, it was 12 miles, and it was nuts. And a, <laughs> a lot of people went to the hospital. Honestly, I think that that was the first time that they did that event in that cold of weather, and. Um, but it was great. So the the Spartan race, which is what Joe DeSena created, is supposed to be even more hardcore. And uh, like I think there's people that hit you with jousting posts and stuff. So, <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to talk to him because he's like his five year old was running a half marathon. His his son run a half marathon when he was five years old, which uh, I'm interested to hear about that. But he's a big guy about uh, adversity and overcoming adversity. So I'm excited. Great, great. 
You know, Ari, uh, you you went through this long list of things, and I I wanted to ask you a little bit about opportunity costs because every time you try out a new thing or a new system, there's always costs. So how do you factor that into whether you're going to try something new out? Well, you know, I really geek out on this stuff, honestly. So I do have a list of stuff in Evernote where it's like things that I want to try at some point, and I rarely look at that list. I just feel good sometimes. Like I put the thing there, and you know, someday if I have time, I'll, I'll look at that list and I'll, I'll go. And I do every now and then. But uh, I, I don't like to be like set in my ways either. But mm-hmm. for instance, FollowUp.cc is a good example. I am a huge fan of FollowUp.cc. I love it. I use it every day, all the time. And there have been at least a dozen competitors that have come out of the woodwork in the past couple of years. And I've some of them I've tried, most of them I haven't. And you know, I feel like there's certain things where if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have something that works, more often than not, I'm trying to fix a problem, and that's when I go out to try something. It's rare that something will just pop up and be like, "Oh, I should try that." You know, because there's a new browser extension every day. There's a new piece of software for productivity every day. But if you don't necessarily have the need, there's no point in just trying it. So mm-hmm. a lot of times it's more like, this is the problem. Let's figure out how we can fix it. And that's when I end up discovering those new things or, or actually trying them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing I wanted to ask you about is you said that reading a fiction book is there, that there's some research showing that that can be beneficial for like your brain. So what what exactly were you thinking of and why do you want i because i find it very hard to read fiction i i want to get to the point okay what's the point of this how is this going to help me um so why do you spend time doing that well again just like overcoming adversity in general i, I or that the whole thing about hormesis you know basically where you're creating stress and then getting stronger from it mm-hmm. it's it's challenging for me to sit down and read a nonfiction book or a fiction book and I am a huge believer in like causing good stress so that we can kind of inoculate ourselves against bad stress. So it, it really is about doing something difficult and and getting stronger because of it. And you know, I, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, like all those things are shown to be uh, of, of not avoidable necessarily, but you can mitigate some of that that risk if you keep your brain active. Mm-hmm. So. I feel like my body's in a pretty good place and I continue to work out on that because of that, of course. But uh, working your brain is something too. You know, it's easy to fall into a rut and just do the same thing. So this is how I sort of challenge myself intellectually. Cool. So anyway, I I think that this was a great start for us working together on this. I'm so excited again to have Aaron helping with this podcast and and not only as the co-host, but also making this just a a better quality podcast. So I hope everyone likes it. And... uh, you know, we'll, we'll, unless you have anything else, Aaron, I guess we can get to the interview. No, Arya, it's, it's been fun picking your brain, and I'm looking forward to doing it in the future. Okay, cool, man. Thanks. Yep. So now I'm going to be speaking with Joe DeSena, who is the founder, CEO, and chief headache officer, he just told me, of the Spartan Race Series. So, Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Thanks for having me. So, I'm assuming that a lot of people who are going to be listening to this know what the Spartan race is, but if they don't, can you just give us sort of an overview? Basically, military-inspired obstacle course um, has deep-seated roots in a race called the Death Race that we formed back in um, 2004. And uh, the Death Race was meant to break people the same way um, the Navy SEALs do or any uh, military department does when they're bringing in new recruits. And, and what we thought was we would find people using this tool, Death Race, Spartan Race, 
that were amazing people. People that when pushed up against the wall, when under extreme stress, just got the job done. They never quit. And, and those are people that inspire us and we want to be around those people. Right. So, and I, I think I saw a video of that and it was like a, an American Marine and a British Marine, right? That ended up at the end of it. Was that right? They did. They finished together. Yeah. Yeah. So did you have military experience yourself? I didn't. I have military envy. <laughs> huge thanks to all the troops out there that are, um, that are supporting us and, and making our way of life easier. And so we give back. Uh, I personally, uh, anytime military is involved, I want to be involved. Yeah, and that, and I, I get that. You know, I, it's funny because my for the a large part of my life, I really wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Actually, I wanted to be a Navy sniper. I'm sorry, I wanted to be a Marine sniper or a Navy naval aviator. Um, and uh, Crohn's disease sort of got in the way of both of those ideas. But uh, I, I have a huge amount of respect, and, and I think that that emulating that is really interesting too. Because and and we'll get into this more, but. You know, in the 1940s when there was war, it was the whole idea of total war and everybody was involved and everybody knew. And I think now uh, most people don't really have an idea of what the the men and women in the military kind of do and live through and train through. So it, I think it's great that we get these, we can have these opportunities, have these little tastes in a way. I agree. I agree. So, okay, so the death race was from what I saw was insane. I mean, it started, you had to crawl up a, a river and uh, chop a stump out of the, the forest and then drag it back. And there was mental stuff. And did you kind of just keep going and going on that? Or was it all planned in advance? Um, that was something that we, uh, Andy and I, uh, dream up during the 11 months and uh, 29 days each year. Man, wouldn't it suck if we made people do this? <laughs> oh, wouldn't people complain if we had them do this? And, um, and so, again, our, our whole focus is how do we break that person? How do we break that participant? Because the one that doesn't break is the diamond in the rough. Right. So there is that idea, of course, that everybody breaks at some point, right? So where do you where, – where is that limit? How do you decide the difference between, you know, constructive and destructive? It's funny. Um, Yes, everybody has a limit. You can break anyone. And so I purposely try not to become friendly with any of the participants because, <laughs> because then you'll look, you know, you say, ah, oh, man, we're pushing this person so hard. Should we stop here? And I'd rather not know them. And, and so I can keep even pressure on all of them. Um, and, and, you know, when you get to a certain point where uh, through attrition, there's only 10 or 15% of the field left. Well, you know, you've got, you've got your stars. So, so that's the way we do it. Sure. Okay. So now you had the death race and then you obviously decided you wanted to make this just a little bit more accessible, right? We wanted it more accessible. We wanted to reach the masses. And, uh, and so Spartan Race was born. And Spartan Race, uh, I think, had, I don't know, 1,200, 1,500 people at the first event. Now, this year, knock on wood, we think we'll hit a million participants globally. Yeah, and that's insane to me in a way because I, I remember when I, I did the a Tough Mudder and it was a crazy race and there were I mean it was a lot of people but you on the one hand you're looking around saying like what is wrong with these people but of course you're doing it too so how why do you think that there's been this sort of explosion of people who want to put themselves through this because I don't think it's just that we as a race are getting stronger and you know and better there, there's obviously something that's drawing people to this I think um, we're humans. And uh, as such, we are animals, and animals would always prefer to be out 
in the wild, right? If you look at your dog, if you have a dog, the dog gets depressed if it sits in the house all day. It is much happier when it gets outside and runs and jumps, and whether it's raining or not. And um, we have been conditioned uh, to be wrapped in this bubble wrap protection and sit inside and watch TV and eat donuts and drink coffee and temperature-controlled environment, and uh, it's not healthy. And uh, it doesn't make us happy. So when we take people out of that bubble wrap and throw them into the woods and the wild, um, they're they're happy, and they tell people, and it goes viral. Yeah. Okay. So that that's sort of the real thing that I want to talk to you about is this idea of sort of creating adversity and how we become stronger from that, and and creating those opportunities. So, do you participate in a lot of the races yourself? I do, but lately it's been just walking from uh, participant to participant to say hello, shake hands, and uh, snap a picture, which which is awesome. I mean, a lot of people want to tell us how we changed our lives, and we always respond, well, we didn't change your life. You changed your life. We just provided the platform. And um, and so, I'm, yeah, I, my, my participation in, in our races is not um, exactly where I'd like it to be because I do love getting out there and competing and sweating. Um, I'm a really good typist now. I do a lot of phone calls um, and I do a lot of pictures. Well, so, so what do you do to make your life hard then? What's your, what's your challenge on a regular basis? Every morning I meet my lion. Um, what I mean by that is uh, in the old days we'd go out horse and carriage, you know, get attacked by a bear or a lion. And so early in the morning before I have breakfast, I like to get, uh, I like to go out and meet a lion. And this morning was, uh, burpees and running and uh, double under jump ropes and pull-ups on a rope and um you know a little cold outside but just get it done sure okay and this is something you do with your kids too i understand right my kids do two a days every day they've been doing it for three years my uh my eight-year-old and six-year-old have run half marathons and swam a mile with life jackets on and they do uh two to two and a half hours a day seven days a week of training Wow, uh, and what kind of training are they doing? Because I, I have I have a two year old and two eleven month old, so I'm I've got a plan for this. Yeah, so they do kung fu, they do um, wrestling, and they do skiing. Wow. Okay. So the 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 uh, the two to two and a half hours of hardcore training is around kung fu and wrestling, and um, and the rest of the participation in sports is really downhill skiing. Okay, so they probably don't have much energy left to, to give you attitude, I guess, at the end of the day. Yeah, they, they fold under pressure. <laughs> uh, and swimming a mile, how did you work them up to that? Was, it, was, there, I mean, was that difficult or they just did it? I put a life jacket on it. I put a life jacket, I put a life jacket on them and said, we've got to get to the other side of the pond. <laughs> that was that. Wow. Okay. That is, that is awesome. Um, okay. And, I, and that's good. I, I got concerned when you said two and a half hours a day, but Kung Fu and wrestling are fine. They're not obviously doing any weightlifting or anything at this point. Are they? Uh, okay. They got their little pull up routine. They've got their upside down push up routine. They've got their burpees all incorporated into the Kung Fu and wrestling. That's great. That's really great. So, <clears throat> Is this sort of a, a, a bigger life philosophy for you or something that's been around for a while, this idea of creating these difficult situations and stress and stuff? How did that, how did that sort of get ingrained in you in general? So, um, so I don't know if you know, we have a book coming out called Spartan Up. And, yeah. and that book is a culmination of, I don't know, 40 years of my life um, regarding just that. Like, like uh, how do you put yourself under pressure and 
that makes me a better person. My mom, lucky for me, lucky for my sister, growing up in Queens, New York, was um, a yoga, meditation, and endurance freak. Now for her, um, in one example, it was meditating and fasting for 30 days. And so my sister and I watched that, and um, we just started to see what was possible. Um, or some of her friends from India that do this very long run in Forest Hills, Queens. I don't know if you know of it, but it's a 3,000-mile run around a one-mile track. Yep. And um, that requires not only physical stamina, but mental tenacity. And so um, I was really lucky. My mother was, was um, really focused on, on teaching us that. And my dad had very similar attributes, but regarding entrepreneurship. So I've got, I've got these two um, forces um, pounding this stuff into my sister and I. And, um, and that's really what the book is about. How do you, how do you take um, the positives out of that and, and help get success in life? Okay, so for people who aren't quite ready to, to participate in a Spartan race or something like that, how, how should they start to, or how do you recommend people sort of start making themselves, I guess, uncomfortable, really, is what you're trying to do? Yeah, um, I, I love burpees. Nobody, nobody loves burpees. Really fast. Um, running, walking. Yeah, so I, I love them because it just gets right to the point. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, your heart's racing, you're aggravated, and, and so that's where I meet my lion. And, um, and I've, so I've always approached that life that way because of my mom and dad, right? So whether it's taking a cold shower or whatever, you've got to build grit. Um, because if you can build grit and you can change your frame of reference, it makes life a lot easier. So specifically, if you were training for the Spartan race, first you've got to read the book. Second, um, you've got, um, you got to just wake up in the morning. Don't hit the snooze button. And, and get out and do something. It could be walk a mile. It could be do some burpees. It could be do some pull-ups. Um, and, but if you want a formal training program, we put out a, a workout every, every single day for free. Uh, there's 400,000 people downloaded every day. And um, people that follow it lose weight, get in shape, find new friends, get healthy. Uh, so it's really simple. All the tools are right, very accessible. So, but is it all, I mean, so this is all physical stuff you're talking about. What about on the mental side? Do you try to push that as well? Yeah, so the mental side I get through uh, physical stress. Um, so what I mean by that is um, uh, if I needed to train my mind, I would have my wife drop me off 40 miles from the house without any money. <laughs> now, okay. And, and so now you're dealing with this situation where you have no money, you've got no food, no water, and, um, and so you're going to go through all kinds of um, you know, shallow troughs um, mentally and physically. And when you come out the other side, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours later, and you make it home, uh, um, you learned a lot about yourself. You, you start to make... Um, Oh, did I lose you? Yeah, no, no, I'm still here. I just uh, we're getting some lag, so I shut off my video. But let's let, we'll keep going. You start to um, you start to do something I call um, upside downside decision making, and what I mean by that is um, you start to understand what's really important, what details are really important in life on a daily basis mm -hmm. that are going to further you um, towards the goal or towards success, and which ones um, you can you just don't deal with. And so, as an example. If you're if you're doing a 
40 mile run, walk, whatever it may be, um, and you start to feel a hot spot in your foot or your knee starts to bother you, um, if you're not trained properly mentally, you might not stop and take care of that tiny little issue. But if you are trained and you understand that um, all these little details in life on a, make a difference, you'll stop and take care of that hot spot before it turns into a blister, which gets you walking funny and ultimately gets you out of the race. And so I love the analogy of, you know, NASA, when that astronaut gets into his um, space shuttle, if he was to turn one dial just a centimeter to the right or to the left, that might not seem significant, but it could it could get the astronaut to, to land on the wrong planet, actually, right? So it is, it is significant. So, so um, training your mind for me is about um, pushing your physical limits and then finding out what – your body will follow your head. So you gotta, you, you've got to put yourself into a situation where your head wants to stop and work with all those things that help you get through to the other side me, uh, one of those techniques is um, short-term goals. I know I have 35 miles ahead of me, but I just need to make it to the phone. If I can just get to that telephone call, I'll deal with the next goal uh, when I get there. Right. Okay. So that that and that makes a lot of sense to me because, like, for instance, when I was doing Ironman, it it always felt to me much more like uh, much more of a mental game than a physical game. And especially for an endurance event, which which I, Spartan Race is also an endurance event, obviously. It, I, I feel uh-huh. like the human body is is well-tuned for endurance. I think that that's sort of like uh, we're finding out more and more that it's sort of a given. You don't necessarily have to train the endurance. It's that mental aspect to know that you can keep going. You're not going to die, you know? No, that's right. That's right. You um, you have to know. This morning I was in a lot of pain uh, with my workout. And um, – my mind goes right to uh, it could be worse. It could be 30 below and I could be freezing because I've been there. So um, so if you can change your frame of reference, which all that training does, uh, it makes life easy. Right. So, and, and that's something that I really want to harp on for people for a second is that idea of being able to tell yourself I've been through worse. You know, And that, that is a huge, huge win in some ways to be able to say that and not everybody can without having gone through something but being able to say i've been through worse is is really really helpful so you have been through about as bad as i've heard about um such as the doing the iditarod on foot right yeah i did a rod yeah what in the world made you decide to do it on foot well it wasn't that wasn't the plan the plan (laughs) and plan was we were going to do cross-country ski, uh, foot, no, snowshoe, and uh, mountain bike. Uh, actually, you can mountain bike a section of that uh, trail in the snow with, with the proper equipment. And um, it snowed so bad that year that um, you couldn't use any piece of equipment except for snowshoe. When we got over the Alaskan range, over the pass, there was no snow, so we couldn't cross-country ski. So again, we were on foot. So um, yeah, it just didn't work out as planned, but, but we got the goal uh, complete. We got to the finish line. Now, now that was that the worst thing. I mean, what did what did you, what'd you tell yourself in that situation? Since it's harder to say, I've been through worse. Then I've been I've been through worse. Okay. I gotta, <laughs> and my wife will kill me if you tell me this, but we have uh, we have four children, and our last child, um, we were in the hospital. The, the baby was sick, and um, 
the priest entered the room to give the baby last rites. Um, and it was game over. And, and so, you know, it's a tough situation, but you've learned to deal with obstacles and adversity. And so, all right, well, it's terrible, but I'm, I got to deal with this only to find out that the doctors had misdiagnosed something and we could take the baby home five minutes later. Everything was fine. So, um, miracle, everything was great. But, um, but, but that grittiness, that ability to deal with adversity, um, has applications well beyond, uh, doing a race. Yeah, wow. Thank you for sharing that with us. That must have been the worst five minutes of your life, I can only imagine. That was a tough, uh, tough period. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I wasn't expecting that. Um, so then the, I was sorry, I was going to ask uh, again something else about the Iditarod. Oh, all right. So you, you've been through worse with that situation. Um, okay. So. How do you sort of train in general, though, now? Since you said you're not doing a lot of the races as much, uh, you know, you have your, your lion in the morning, but do you actually have a training routine that you do? Uh, or is it the Spartan workout that you post? Um, I always do my burpees. I committed to myself, um, by and large, six, seven, almost seven days a week. I do 300 burpees every morning, and I like to incorporate something else in it. So the last two days was a two-and-a-half-hour snowshoe followed by 300 burpees. This morning I mixed in the uh, the double unders, the rope pulls, and and uh, and some running, but um, but by and large I'm a big believer in burpees because uh, again it gets you to that mental uh, state where you just want to kill yourself, and I like I like to get myself there every morning because it makes the rest of the day easy, um, and and I there are other ways to get to that state, but it requires like six hours on your bicycle it, within 20 minutes on in burpees you can get to that same place right no it's that intensity of course so so how does 300 burpees take you about 20 minutes no it depends if i'm in the mood or not if i'm watching my kids do kung fu it could take me 50 minutes if if i'm racing uh, maybe 18 and a half minutes it just depends uh what kind of mood i'm in good lord okay um, I, I remember uh, the CrossFit Open workout, I think, three years ago. The first one was seven-minute AMREP of burpees, and I got to, like, 100 or something. And the top guy got to 180 or something, and I felt just destroyed. But, um, yeah, burpees are burpees are effective. <laughs> There's no question. Uh, so then – what sort of – I mean you're already kind of global. Uh, I mean you are global and there's so many races now. What's, what's sort of next on, the, on the, the horizon for Spartan races? This is the health and wellness company and we're really interested – I'm really interested in getting uh, the message out there that um, uh, you know, there's this whole life philosophy and if you follow it or some version of it, you will uh, have a much better life. And so the book is, the, is a step um, in that direction to explain to the uninitiated people that haven't done a Spartan race or may never do a Spartan race. It might be, just be too scary for them or, or they're afraid of getting injured in their mind so they don't want to step out of their comfort zone. Um, so the book provides a platform for those people as well. And so that's the next step for us. And then from there, hopefully TV, another platform to help transform lives and, you know, if I have my way, I won't be sitting on a computer doing uh, emails all day, every day. I would like to uh, be out there actually sweating too and doing some fun stuff with my family. But um, aside from that, I think it's just getting uh, bigger and um, a more vocal uh, platform globally to maybe change 100 million lives. 
That's great. That's, great. That's really That's great. great. So, all right. Well, Joe, thank you. That's all the time we have. I, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you had a little crisis before that, that is probably no big deal compared to 300 burpees. So thank you for staying on the call. And uh, I, I recommend everybody check out Spartan Up, the, the book, uh, as soon as they get a chance. And if you're up for it, get into a Spartan race because they are fun. I, I, I promise you they're hard, but they are very fun. So, Joe, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Zara.